1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This episode is brought to you by SRB Field Rests. Your shotgun, bow, or rifle is an extension of who you are as a hunter. Whether you're hunting snows in a muddy mess of a field, mallards in the marsh, or whitetail from a ground blind, SRB Field Rests has your back. A local Kansas company that provides an easy-to-use, simple, and ergonomically effective solution to just awkwardly holding onto your gun or your bow when you do not need to, allowing you to have more freedom comfort and safety in the field enter discount code foul front at checkout for 10 percent off your order of any srb field rest today whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt at midwayusa.com we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns advanced scent control technologies and weatherproof options to withstand the elements Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. This episode is also brought to you by Oak Barn Beef, a direct-to-consumer, family-owned farm that delivers high-quality, DNA-tested, dry-aged Nebraska beef from their family to yours. You can select from a wide variety of boxes. My personal favorite is the Husker Beef Package, which combines jerky, ground beef, steaks, and a brisket. These packages are perfect for families, get-togethers, out-of-town hunts, or for you outfitters looking to upgrade your table fare for your clients. Order yours today at oakbarnbeef.com. And what's really important is that we band together, we speak with one voice. You know, I'm like, you sure? Because I've got two kids, I don't want it to ruin your hunt. You're like, yeah, yeah, just come and help with me. Just take your time. Like I said, it would have killed a normal man, but I'm not normal, but, you know. When you said, why do you want to talk about that? To me, it was kind of like, oh my gosh, there's so many different factors that go into this decision. Enjoy it for what it is. Every moment of it. If, if, if you're only going to shoot one duck. Welcome to the Foul Front Podcast, part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. Hey, Foul Front, it's Hannah from Oak Barn Beef. 
We're giving away a box of steaks, jerky, and more premium beef exclusively for the listeners of The Foul Front. To sign up, head over to foulfront.com and click on the Oak Barn Beef Giveaway tab to enter into this giveaway. Thanks, and we can't wait for you to try our Nebraska-raised and dry-aged premium beef. All right, welcome to the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast Migration Report Powered by the Powderhook app. Remember, each time that you submit a report on the Powderhook app, you are entered to win a case of Federal Premium Black Cloud. I'm your host, Ben, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Alex. Hey, guys, we're back. We're going to cover a hunt update, a review of the podcast we listened to this week. We'll break down this weekend's weather report and the migration reports out of Powderhook and what you might expect. So I know that Ben and I have been on a couple of hunts in different locations in our home water. I figured we would talk a little bit about that too. So Ben, Thanksgiving, it's been a couple of weeks. Well, I guess it's been a couple of weeks, like maybe a week, 10 days since we've talked last. What'd you get out and do over Thanksgiving? I feel like Thanksgiving was at least a month and a half ago. <laughs> that's that's how I feel. Um, so, you know, that's obviously that's two hunts, uh, you know, ago. But I took out um, my brother-in-law, uh, one of my buddies here, and then one of his good buddies um, that he brought down, and then a new hunter. So we had like six dudes, and I couldn't really find – I couldn't find any birds um, on public land, and it's so hard when you go out the morning of Thanksgiving and you go scout because it's okay. What are you gonna do? You gonna you gonna knock on some dude's door on the morning of Thanksgiving? So I just kind of reserved myself to like, hey, we're just gonna go out. We're gonna have fun. See how it goes. And uh, we did not. We did not have fun. We went out to the marsh. Uh, I, no, I think we all had fun. Uh, we kind of joshed around and we just kind of picked a layup spot. Uh, that's something that's pretty close, pretty easy. And I guess kind of showed the new two new guys. Cause my brother-in-law, he's pretty new. And, uh, we had a, a brand new waterfowl hunter with us and we just kind of, it was super cold though. It was super cold. Um, I don't know if my brother-in-law will ever go hunting with me again, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, you had quite the opposite though. Yeah. Experience. Yeah. We, um, so my wife who she's a, she's a pretty avid outdoorsman. She started out like more hiking and whatnot. And she's hunted a little bit, fished a little bit in the past, but nothing like she did. Like when we started dating and since we've gotten married. And so, you know, we decided with the Thanksgiving, what it was and all the traveling we did that we would spend a little bit more time in the local area since we're going to move here soon. Uh, and, and so, uh, we, we, we have some friends of ours. Actually, I'm on location right now up in Nevada with the same, uh, same buddy and his wife that they're real big, real big in waterfowl hunters. He grew up in the Pacific Northwest. He's hunted all kinds of ducks his whole life. And he has always dreamed about coming down to the Texas coast. And so we made him an offer like back in June or July, we were like, Hey, why don't you come down? We'll spend Thanksgiving. It'll be a good time bring your wife. We'll, uh, we'll kind of just do, we'll, we'll get a nice Airbnb. And so that's exactly what we did. We went down to the unsung hero, I think of waterfowl hunting, which is the Texas coastal marshes and went out with a, a guide service and they were on point. We went out teal season with them and, you know, the teal season was a little bit of a bust, but the, you know, when, when you're evaluating a guide, I think you look for more like birds either will show up or they won't, you know, the guy doesn't control a lot of that. But they, they ran a really clean outfit, so we decided that going with them over Thanksgiving. So we booked two days, and they, they ran you – know, so it was H&H Guide Service, but specifically Captain Jake Huddleston was his name. And he they ran just a really clean 
operation, great property, great blinds, made it just perfect for bringing it. my wife who's never really, she's duck hunted with me a couple of times before, but this was like the, her first like really go out, bang up time. Same with my friend's wife. And we had, so the first day we, we got out on the property and they, they spent all day the day before scouting, which was Thanksgiving by the way. So we hunted on Black Friday and we were hunting the next Saturday and he spent like the good portion of his Thursday evening out scouting and we showed up the next morning, they put out a good spread and we, we easily knocked out our duck limits. And it was the first time I've actually sat underneath just a vortex of snow geese, which had moved in overnight. So we had a cold front that kind of pushed in and they, they pushed a lot of snow geese and a lot of specks in. And it kind of reminded me when we were talking with Jameson um, and, and there was, it was the first time I'd ever seen that many geese just, you know, over it. And he only had maybe a couple dozen, um, he only had maybe a couple of dozen decoys out of, or goose decoys, but it worked and we were able to pull on some loaners. So we ended up getting our limits of ducks. So four man limit. And then we shot six geese that day and uh, my wife killed her first goose. My buddy's wife killed her first goose. And the next day was pretty similar. We didn't have any geese the next day. We had a lot of ducks, but it was a really good experience for both of them. And they, um, you know, I think are pretty committed waterfowlers. In fact, my wife told me after that, she goes, you know, I'd really like to learn a lot more about doing this. So we had a really good, uh, good Thanksgiving. So no complaints. And, and I also, I learned something about you, um, from your social media posts that you posted about that day. Oh, what was that? No, uh, you, you wear green face paint. Yeah, I am a believer. I am a believer in concealment and face paint. And, um, you know, so my we actually in the blind that morning, we're having a debate over the merits of face masks, like a buff versus whether you just get face paint, you know, from wherever. But I, I have found I have found like there's some different qualities of face paint and it will impact like how your face reacts, like getting it off and everything else. Like, I don't know if you knew this or not, but if you burn the end of a cork, it makes a really fine ash and will also conceal your face pretty well. I don't know if you've seen that. I did. I did. I did know that. But don't er, like don't burn a cork from like one of the cheap bottles. No. Because it's mostly just plastic. (laughs) Right. It's got to be real cork. Trust me. Yes. Um, (laughs) Lest you have like burns your face. Yeah. Yeah. You just. Yeah, exactly. All right. You know, uh, we were kind of talking a little bit earlier, like what's the little topic or a little takeaway that we want to give people on this? We're not going to spend too much time on it, but I do want to hear other people's opinions on it. I have been, I think, ignoring one of the three triads or three corners of duck hunting concealment this year. And I wanted to know how important you thought it was. I'm always with the wind. You know, I always get the wind at my back or at least, you know, left cheek, right cheek. You know, that's something I always pay attention to a lot. And then the next thing I look for is, you know, the cover uh, or the concealment that I can utilize. Is there a tree line there or are we going to be tucking into these, you know, these reeds? What's that going to look like? We do a pretty good job there. But I haven't been taking too much into account the sun. And this has been uh, multiple times that I've done that this season. And I just want to know, like, how everybody else takes it into account I've had the sun in my eyes, um, like on like three or four hunts on this, and I know it's bad for your concealment. And then obviously, there's just some times where you know you, you can't get around that. It's always going to happen. Uh, but then I also went, um, you know, I had a, a buddy take me out, and he's like, "Oh, we're just going to sit right along these trees, and we're going to use the sun as our cover." And I was like, eh, "Okay, we'll see how that works." Well, sure as heck, it 
worked out pretty well. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely have got, I mean, I, I mean, I think a lot of my concealment for waterfowl hunting, I think comes from like what I applied with turkey hunting, you know, so like, you know, turkey hunting, like yeah. you absolutely have to be just hundred percent buttoned up, you know, and you figure that. Oh yeah, absolutely. And with, and with ducks a lot the same way, right? Like we're, you're talking about two, you're talking about two types of hunts where the law specifically allows you to not have to wear neon orange to be seen, which means, you know, you really got to think about that too. But I think for waterfowl hunting, as far as the, you know, the wind goes, what you make sense. But for me, the wind, I almost value the sun and the concealment over the wind in the sense that like, I know you want them, you know, feet down coming in in front of you, um, you know, like hovering, doing their like drop down thing. But I, I almost look at like, if, if they can see you, then they're not even going to get that far, you know? And I mean, I've, I've definitely had a couple of hunts before where the sun has not been, where the, where I've made sure that the sun was at my back and I was sitting in some kind of shadow over maybe the wind direction a few, you know, a few times, because I, I think if they can see you, they're not even going to come in. And I've noticed the difference, the times that I have made efforts to do more concealment uh, and the times that I haven't, the shadows, I mean, I hunt out of a boat blind a lot of times. And so, which I think a lot of people don't think about the clothes they wear. Like if you're sitting in a boat blind and you've got a dark bottom, like in other words, like you don't have a camo bottom on your boat or you're sitting in the bottom of it and you're wearing camo, like you're still going to stick out. And, and a friend of mine that I hunt with really frequently, we discussed one day about just, you know, like let's set the blind up, let's hunt and then put the guns away and get out one of those like DJI drones and like fly it up there and see what we look like from the top down, because I don't think we pay enough attention to what like is sitting around us, maybe in a blind. And so what we're going to do that in the next couple of weeks. And we talked to the game wardens about it, by the way, if you're listening to this and you have the same idea, pay attention to your local and state laws because they, they, some of them will specifically prohibit it. We looked into it, talked to the game warden and they were like, as long as you don't have loaded guns, it's okay. And you're not harassing wildlife. So there's the disclaimer for it, but I will, uh, we'll loop back on at least that concealment part. But as far as the sun goes, I, you know, if they can, if you're not wearing, like I wear face paint, <laughs> we were jocking about that. I wear face paint or I wear a mask. My wife wears a mask. Like we'll put something on because I mean, if you look at, just look at your buddy next to you, that's not wearing like, like it's not wearing face paint and look at how bright their face is compared to the dull background of whatever it is you're trying to consider yourself against. So you're never going to convince me to put on green green face paint alex i mean i'm not gonna convince you to put on green but maybe tan maybe a buff oh no I'll, yeah put that. <laughs> tan. okay all right let's move on to uh this week's oh well i guess we'll say this if you have uh if, if something was griping your gras on that conversation head on over to our our listener group let us know what you think about it uh, i'd like to hear your your comments as well all right let's head on over to uh something that we haven't done in a, uh, a couple weeks the podcast review so, me and Alex, we're not going to do it in a countdown sort of sense, but we are going to just kind of discuss some of the podcasts that we listened to this week. So, Alex, you want to start us off with uh, what you were listening to? Yeah, so I checked out the, the HP Outdoors podcast. Um, you know, I picked up a little bit on that, and then I, I listened to the Big Honker podcast as well with the Hunting in the Fog and their guide and their their service. And I thought, you know, they had a pretty interesting conversation that went around their their fog hunts, and I... I related a lot to it. The lake that I hunt is is pretty frequently at the fog. I thought their conversation on the dew point and the degrees was pretty educational for those of you that maybe haven't paid attention to it before. 
and how they thought the birds were reacting to the fog and how they hunted a little bit differently. And it was, it was, it was interesting. And, and maybe how they were alluding to their call strategies. Did you, did you get an opportunity to listen to that too? Yeah, no, I, I listened to the big honker podcast episode 236 hunting in the fog with uh, their guide, Josh Stoner. And I have, I've hunted, I think maybe just a, half a dozen times probably in fog and mostly small water, nothing, no fields in fog. Um, you know, all the, the pain and, uh, strategies that they talked about in there, uh, and how, how they maybe particularly don't enjoy hunting in the fog. There's something really cool, uh, about having a, a duck or a goose just float out of, you know, the mist and be you know, by the first time you see it, it's in shooting range. I don't know. It's pretty, pretty, pretty neat. It is kind of like surreal. Yeah. It is kind of cool to see like big, big like wings, like especially geese, you know, like when geese come down and they've got their wings cupped and they just appear out of nowhere. Um, it is. Yeah. They cool. show you never saw them not locked in. In fact, my buddy, Chad uh, Dawson, who runs uh, Skypand Outfitters, uh, he has a pretty cool write up on his website about a, a pretty awesome fog hunt that they had. But uh, if, if you're not familiar with the big honker podcast, what did you say? What did you, how did you kind of describe the big honker podcast? Uh, I mean, it's just like, this is, this is like your first week listening. To yeah. I, I mean, you know, I heard you mention it before, um, but this was the first week listen to it. And I guess I related to the big honker podcast is like, it, imagine you're just sitting around the campfire with those guys, like talking about the hunting, like, or, or whatever the topic du jour is. I mean, they went, they kind of went like, they talk a little bit about the waterfowl. They talk a little about football, but the conversation really just flowed. And you almost felt exactly like you were in camp, like around there, like around the table, like chatting with them. And it was, it was, it was yeah. an interesting format. Um, and it was an interesting conversation. And I really liked hearing the perspective of, you know, these are guides that don't necessarily have a choice about the days they hunt. And so, it, it is, I think you have to kind of respect the fact that when you're talking about people, you know, like I, I don't make a living guiding waterfowl, you know, this is definitely a hobby for me. And so maybe my, my thought process on some things are different and here, there is just like people that bring people out that are making trips out and like fog is a very real thing they've got to deal with and they've got to change their tactics for it. And it was, it was educational to hear it from there. And it kind of expanded my horizons a little bit as a waterfowl hunter. Yeah. My time of probably listening to the Big Honker podcast is very shortly coming to a close. Um, my my kid is she's starting to pick up on like words that I say, mm. starting to you know repeat things, and so she's in the car with me most of the time to and from work, and so I might I might have to be uh, I might have to throw you know the the earphones in. Yep, uh, at work <laughs> if I want to listen to the Big Honker podcast, I would recommend um, it, and then. Yeah, the last thing I want to say about uh, episode two thirty six is, uh, hey Josh, I th- the the guy that they they interviewed, I think you were thinking about m- me when you were talking about, oh, there's a guy that I heard of that was stationed down there uh, and that shot some cinnamon teal and didn't even know that was that was definitely me. <laughs> so, all right, but, and then uh, the warden's watch. You listened to that one. I didn't get it to. Uh, I didn't get to that one this week. Uh, all right, so the warden's watch is like cops, but like for hunters, it's cops for hunters. So it's like, obviously it's game wardens. Um, and then obviously it's audio, but, uh, the host Wayne, um, he is a former, uh, game warden, uh, from New Hampshire, if I believe correct. Um, 
And he started this podcast and he pretty much only talks to game wardens. And it is freaking awesome. Uh, I, I won't lie. This week he's, he talks to one of his like uh, former protégés who's now a, like a lieutenant in the New Hampshire Fish and Game Department. And some of the talking points, I don't want to give it all away, but one of the talking points is, uh, you know, wet, intoxicated, covered in blood. Um, and then another one would be like ruining a good time. And then decoying poachers. It's it really is. You got to go check it out. Yeah, I've I listened to I listened to the one where uh, he was interviewed and and kind of talked about some of his stories. That was that was really you know I mean it's fascinating and I think what's fascinating about this too is just to hear. I mean the how. I mean it's a lot about like the how and the why they they do the things and the techniques they they use. And I mean they change it all the time. Um, and I kind of related like this podcast is similar to like some of those shows that are on, like the My Outdoor TV. Uh, which they've come on, you know, with the, the game wardens. It's, it's, it's basically cops, you know, but for the, the fish. Are you talking about Northwoods? Like the Northwoods? Yeah, there's the Northwoods. That's him. Yeah. So there's the Northwoods, but then there's another show too where they're like in, they're in, maybe, is it him that's in Michigan? Like there's one where they're based up in Michigan. No, he's, the, he's from the Northwoods. Okay. Yeah. So the one, but like he's in that, he's on that show. Okay. Well, I may, I may have to go like pay closer attention to it because I, I just think it's, I think it's really interesting, like how they go about finding people that like bait fields and like the waterfowl thing. So they were up at one of the episodes I watched, they were up uh, doing shell counting, you know, for like where, you know, because there's wildlife refuges that have the shell limits. In fact, I'm going to hunt one this weekend. Um, And I was like, man, that's great. How many shells can you take with you? 25. Got to have 25. uh, No more, no less. I mean, that's that's like a box. Yeah, you can bring a box. Yeah. You You can't shoot a limit in a box. Like. Well, and so their their theory is is that it it stops the skybusters, um, yeah. you know, so it keeps people from skybusting. And um, I mean, they say I think that's how they sell it to the outdoorsmen, you know. But at the end of the day, I think it's like, well, you get only so many chances, so you better make your shots count. Um, I I mean, it makes sense to me. So we'll we'll see. I'll I'll let you know how <laughs> it works for me. Yeah. Well, hope hopefully you shoot straight. All right, should we head on to? Uh Talk a little bit about the weather. Yeah, weather. We got, got some weather coming in this weekend. Oh yeah, there's some there is some weather going on. I was looking at the I was looking at the my radar, which we'll talk a little bit about in a later episode. But I was looking at the my radar, and yeah, there's a lot of activity that's moving along right now. Did you get a chance to see where the snow line was? I know, I think the last time I saw it was like in, in uh, still in Nebraska. Am I wrong on that? Well, people people are saying that it's like the Nebraska Kansas border. Yeah, uh, but my dad. Uh, said BS and my buddy Matt, who I think he was even up in the Sand Hills um, recently here. He he's also calling BS. He said there's no snow in Nebraska right now, or at least uh, not in the not south of the Sand Hills. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I think it's still kind of on the Dakota um, slash civilization line. Okay. Um, well, and then I'm going to look at the NOAA too because I don't know how long it's been there. So I was, I was listening to, I was listening to either I can't remember if it was a show on, you know, I think I was either watching a show or listening to a podcast, and they talked about like the birds won't have a whole lot of enthusiasm to move until they absolutely can't access the the food anymore, which is you know directly correlated to the snow on the ground and how much it's freezing. So. I'm going to look. So that's another cool thing about Noah is that you can look at the history on like how long the snow has been there, like what the pack has been. Sure. Yeah. 
So, but you can see how, just how thick it is, how much of that ag and that food is covered up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it would be really interesting to see is like, well, I, obviously you can, I think you can set up like a trigger for this. Like I, is, I know that, you know, on this certain pond that if I had these temperatures and like no wind, that it's going to be frozen over. So I have to like take my, my stuff in with me. But I know if I'm checking like, if, I, if I'm just checking the weather regularly enough, I can tell when that pond is, is open. But it'd be interesting to see like if they could come up with something for that but in the future. So, yeah, I'm looking. It looks like there, there's going to be another cold front pushes right through the middle of the country again this week, uh, which is going to be almost perfectly timed for the opening. I think it's... It's supposed to push like from the northwest to the southeast, correct? Yep, that's what I'm looking at right now, and it's gonna move. Like I, I just I dropped a random pen, so that's one of the cool things about this this app. You can just kind of drop oh, yeah. that. You could just put the crosshairs wherever you want, and it'll give you the forecast. And I just put over and like what are you what are you using? You're using uh, my radar pro, my radar pro, and I just dropped a pen like in in Boulder, Colorado. You know, there's just the, the area around, and it drops a few degrees starting on Saturday and Sunday. It actually goes down 13 degrees between tomorrow and Sunday. And then it shows like snow cover and, or snow coming in. And I'm going to move over. I don't know, Ben, name a, name a city in Kansas. Like, what do you want to, what do you want to say? Um, go with like uh, Concordia or Salina. All right. Salina. Let's see. Uh, Fort Collins. Yeah. That's, that's a, one of the really cool. And I can also see the wind by the way, like you can see the wind. Yeah. Direction. That's, really cool it has a little purple tracers you can you can see it moving yeah that's great yep so there's let's see concordia hutchinson el dorado i'm gonna have to get smart on my kansas geography here that's all right just just pick like wichita or Salina or something yeah there's uh el dorado you know where el dorado is it's uh between wichita yeah i don't want to yeah, it's uh, near and dear to my home. Okay, so yeah, so tomorrow 55 degrees with a low of 33, but then on Sunday the high is 32 and 23. So that that cold front's going to start dipping down, and I suspect that there's going to be some good hunting this weekend as those birds move to avoid it. So yeah, at least in the central. So it looks part like, yeah, I mean, it looks like so Saturday we're supposed to be seeing like this front moving across the, you know. Uh, from west to east and then it's supposed to have all the bad weather coming in on like sunday right yeah that's what it shows okay and then i'm looking and then like right now on the east coast so if you're on the atlantic flyway the mississippi if you're on the mississippi flyway there it's gonna definitely i mean it's basically the central mississippi flyway are gonna get the results of this front and i mean it's a pretty significant drop um, just just on either side of the front, which that's the, one of the awesome things about this too, is like on either side, less than 50 miles, you're going from 36 degrees to 25 degrees. Um, so 10 degree drop there. And then on the, the Atlantic coast, they just had a front push through. I'm anxious to see what the reports are there because, um, you know, they were slow. Like I was looking at the powder hook reports. They were pretty slow this week because I think a lot of the places are in splits, but we'll see what it, what, you know, they just had one push through. So. Um, hopefully people can get on some birds there. What's the weather like in Utah right now? So Utah is 41 degrees in the South 39. They just had some, they have a weather, they have a little weather event going on in Salt Lake city right now. It's pushing down. It's kind of hitting the okay. mountains and dissipating. And then they had a front, which seems like Washington, like Pacific Northwest standard where they get a little cold front that comes in off the Pacific there. And so my, my buddy was scouting in uh, the center of Nevada 
yesterday and they've got some new birds and geese that have just shown up there. So tomorrow I'm actually hoping to get on some uh, Canada's that make their way in. So, um, but yeah, it looks like they got that weather that's coming in and I'm curious to see what the Western end of that front that's hitting the central flyway does when it hits the Rockies. And if it, if it really makes anything significant for the Pacific flyway. Yeah. It looks like the single digit line is still hanging out pretty much. That's South Dakota, North Dakota line. So, yep. Going north of there, you're you're looking at single digits and negatives, and uh, that front looks like it's starting to push down through to Nebraska and Kansas and uh, Wisconsin. So, yeah, yeah. If you were going to choose, uh, if you're going to be in the Central Flyway, if you're going to choose one day to hunt. Uh, Saturday or Sunday, which one would you hunt? Um, if I was in the central flyway, I would probably choose, and I'm just going to go right to like, let's just say I was on the border of Oklahoma and Kansas, because that's, I think where the weather is going to be poised this weekend. I'd say Sunday would be the day if I was right there. I think, I think so too. That's, I think that's kind of, I think I'm gearing towards that. I can't hunt Saturday cause I got daddy daycare, but, um, I think I'm going to go out Sunday. So, yep. That's what I would do. (laughs) Should we get into some of the scouting reports from the Powderhook app? Yeah, sounds good. We had some pretty good uh, participation here over the last, looks like, 10 days or so. And some detailed reports, which was refreshing to me when I was looking at the spreadsheet and I saw the the reports that were in. I really liked the details. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Why don't you kick us off with the the Pacific? You give us, uh, I think we got one from Nevada. Yep. So Nevada. So the report reads, got one in the morning and two in the afternoon, finally seeing more birds. Thanks to the weather. Lots of folks are curious where the water is in Nevada. Turns out they have a couple of wildlife refuges and provide birds a flyway between the Rockies and Sierra Nevadas areas significantly affected by the PNW weather events. Actually, I'll be heading out there to hunt next week. So yeah, that is, um, like I said, I've got a good friend of mine who's lives out here and this pretty much mirrors exactly that. And they look and see because the birds, you know, here they do have those wildlife refuges, uh, which are very well managed, by the way, if um, you ever got curious and want to look at the Nevada game laws. But it, it's like there's not much water between the Pacific, the Great Salt Lake, these refuges and, the you know, like south, like Arizona and everything. I've always I like people completely write off the, the southwest uh, as not having duck habitat or being any. I'm telling you. Uh, the Southwest is kind of, I think, where it's at almost. Like, if you want to go have a, a unique experience and have birds in your face as well, those are the places to go. I mean, I mean, it's like I don't think you're going to be seeing it like show up on the you know the Orvis endorsed waterfowl lodges anytime soon. But the habitat, like I just looked at a map and when when I was thinking, of, you know, when I was coming out here to hunt, and you know, my my friend was like, yeah, this is. There is, there are places here and you just, I mean, I know there's probably a lot of people like shaking their fist in my general direction right now, but I oh, mean, yeah. all the, all <laughs> 10 Nevadan people are probably really upset at you. Right. I could say that cause I'm from Nebraska. <laughs> and then, I mean, like Utah is the same way. I mean, there's, there's tons of, there's tons of these little like, you know, reservoirs that are designed for farms and irrigation and they make perfect duck habitat. And and they and they just hop they just hopscotch down and then a lot of those places you know when they start getting down I don't think a lot of people realize how cold Nevada gets I mean Nevada like when you get out in like they think of Las Vegas desert heat 
you get about 50 miles north of Las Vegas and there, I mean, don't forget there is a ski resort 50 miles north of Las Vegas. Oh yeah. There's so much elevation change there too. in all those places, but yeah. um, should we head over to the, to the central flyway? Yeah. Yeah. What, what, right. what about Kansas there? So, uh, so this, uh, this powder hook uh, user reports that it looks like the latest cold front pushed a lot more, Canada's and a few specs. He goes on to mention that uh, this appears to be about standard timing for these events and corresponds with the recent snowfall. Oklahoma uh, appears to have slowed down a little bit, uh, relevant to the Ducks. According to one report stating that uh, they scouted the Hudson, which had nothing to get too excited about, but there are a few small groups of local birds. And then I can definitely, definitely attest to this next person's sentiment there is no vegetation due to all of the summer flooding and it's it's been it's been making it tricky it's, uh the birds are being tricky down here at least in between uh the two largest lakes in kansas um but a friend of mine called on me today and asking if i had any snow goose decoys i told him yeah uh what's up and he said oh i have just about ten thousand snows on a field uh, that he has permission on. And then I had to school him up on like, okay, so this is what this now you invite me so I can bring my, my decoys. Um, but yeah, this is how the fight. decoys show up. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they get my truck. I'll deliver them. You know? but, all right. Well, that is, you know, it's the vegetation I was looking at the, I was looking at some of the water levels in those reservoirs and you are feeling this summer or this, this winter, what I was feeling last year down here in Texas with the, the lake being as high as it was. And it did make, I will tell you that diver hunting was awesome <laughs> because you would go out there was, there was tons of divers. And like, if you found like where they were going, you would have great luck at diver hunting. Um, but you know, a lot of people are kind of rigged for one or the other, you know, like you either have yeah. like the rigs to go out and puddle, you know, like go into the shallow or you're rigged for diving. And, and I just happened, I got really fortunate last year when, uh, I was bumming boat rides because I didn't have a boat and it's like, you had to, had to get on. And so I was on some Facebook groups and I was just like the guy that would show up at the ramp with burritos. And one guy was like outfitted to, to diver hunt. And we did really well last year and the puddle duck hunters were not doing so good this year. Um, it's kind of the best of both worlds because the, the lake has dropped several feet and there's, there's vegetation and there's places for them to go. So I feel your pain, like hunting in the treetops. Yeah. Yeah, and now I'm hunting on the mud flats, so it's kind of like a huge swing. There's literally been a 19 foot difference in in uh, one of my my honey holes, so wow. that's terrible. <laughs> you don't want that. Nobody wants that. No, no, nobody wants that. No. All right. Uh, I mean, Texas looks like Texas guys are beating them up pretty good right now. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. And then my buddies that are in Oklahoma, I just keep getting uh, Snapchat after Snapchat of farm pond limits and oh man all right so when are we going to oklahoma i guess that's really the question like all right you're gonna just you just drive south about six hours i'll drive north about six hours and we should meet right. like at a pond that has limits i mean i figure i i have a i have one of those ponds god so. yeah I actually was texting the landowner yesterday uh and he was telling me about ah oh, there's more ducks than there were last year on this thing oh so don't tell me that. Come on, man. Come on. Like, like show some mercy and I, here. I hunted that pond, dude. I'm, t I'm not kidding you. I probably hunted that pond three or four times a week. 
Yeah. And we would, we were just, pull, ah, it was disgusting. Well, I, okay. Uh, I was going to say like down here in Texas, they're, they're having a much, much better season here. And the guy, and the guides were like, they were like, if the second split looks half as good as the first split, it's going to be, which I mean, that is what happens here. Like here, like Texas is a second split state. Like you, that is where, that is yeah. where the money is made. And they, I mean, our first split was like gangbusters and they're fully anticipating the second split to be that way. And I think part of, I mean, I can't remember there being a split when I was in El Paso. We had a, there's a two week split here. Um, so it, it, it ended. The first split ended, and I can't remember the exact date. I guess, you know, it's been, it opens back up this weekend. So it's been, you know, the first of December there. Second to December, because I hunted my days with my wife were the last two days of the first split. I think I was in that high. The uh, High Plains Mallard unit. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So they don't have it now. All right. Let's, let's head on over to the Mississippi Flyway. What you got? Yeah, good numbers flying. A lot of high birds, four-man limit by 9 a.m. So it looks like they are, you know, we were talking with Jameson a couple episodes ago, and it's, you know, they're like they're in for a good season. And I think this weather that is is, is teeing it up for them. And um, it, it looks like Mississippi and then Kentucky, you know, um, same thing. A lot of the reports, you know, from Powder Hooker saying that they're doing pretty good and they're seeing the, the fruits of the northern cold fronts. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and then I think we sent, we got a user in Kentucky says he went out for the opener for Thanksgiving, and they had a bunch of ducks last week, but they were running mostly traffic that morning, and it was just really slow. They saw several ducks really high, but not what they were expecting given the early push of ducks from the cold weather up north the past few weeks. Now Kentucky and like Tennessee, I have a bunch of bunch of boys that have been uh, they're from there. Uh, that I know. And they've all told me that it was like really tough hunting in that area. I mean, it, um, I don't know. Have you heard the same? Well, it depends, you know, Tennessee and Kentucky being as long as states as they are. I mean, you really think about the landscape they cover. I grew up in East Tennessee. I mean, East Tennessee and the Tennessee Valley. I mean, people duck hunt there, but it's just not known for the same traffic as West Tennessee, which is right there on the Mississippi and they get a lot more traffic. And so, you know, with the with the east west, you know, width of the state, if you will, like, I mean, for both, like you really have a you have a a totally different habitat on one as that you do on the other. And if you think about like what's at the terminus of those of those migration paths, you know, if you look in Tennessee, like a lot of the if you look at the Atlantic Flyway, they have some routes that go through East Tennessee, but they're really small and they cut off right at the southern end of the Appalachians and go to the Atlantic coast. So it's not a very high traveled route because you figure the birds are going to go one way or they're going to go the other. And there's not that many ag fields in East Tennessee and Eastern Kentucky. You know, it's very mountainous. Um, you know, there's tobacco crops. And so that's not a lot of, of, of crops that are going to hold birds, like in the Western parts of the state where you've got corn, you've got wheat, you've got cotton. So I, um, I think what I'm going to pay attention to a little bit more on the Mississippi flyway, cause I'm a little bit curious, you know, the Mississippi and that border in the Atlantic is where are, where in those States are those reports coming from? Because I would be interested to see like what the ag habitat is around them. Sure. Sure. All right. And then we got the Atlantic Flyway. Uh, I I know several of those states are in their splits right now. Yep. So kind of it's spotty. It's really spotty. Um, a lot of guys that I'm tracking on the the groups that I'm a part of out there, they're you know a lot of them are targeting their swans right now. They kind of go between the North Carolina, Virginia to play the splits. Pennsylvania, it, it seems like they're 
you know, they get their one species of duck in and it's got a two duck limit and that's what they get. And then they kind of go home, which, um, I think is, is on, it, it seems to me like in the Atlantic, there's not as many places unless you're out sea duck hunting or something like that, where you get the wide variety of species to keep your morning going. It's like you either get mallards that day, you kill your lemon of them and then you go home. Um, you know, where I think, you know, in the central and Mississippi flyway, we have the blessing of like 16 different species that could show up. So getting your seven man limits, not yeah. you're getting seven ducks is not, or six is not as hard. So, yeah. Uh, well, all right, man. Um, I think we ought to wrap it up I'm sitting about 35 minutes and we want to keep these ones a little bit shorter, but Hey, let us know as always uh, what you guys want from this episode and we'll try to incorporate it. I know a lot of you have been screaming at me to get the podcast reviews back going. So I think maybe we'll be a little bit more serious about listening to some podcasts next week, both me and Alex. Maybe we'll even sync up our schedules so that we can uh, discuss it, you know, back and forth. But um, in the meantime, go ahead and enter your scouting reports and your harvest reports onto uh, the powder hook app. And each time that you do that, you're entered to win a, a whole case, 10 boxes of uh, federal premium um, black cloud ammo. So Alex, what you got? For All those, right. Man? Well, and uh, get on Facebook, post in the group, you know, like uh, I posted a couple of things on there, just some uh, tip about bundling your decoys and pass the feedback up to. And, yeah. you know, I think, I think, you know, Ben and, you know, we're both interested in getting, what I'd say, like quality content you guys want to hear. And the only way we can get it is feedback on the episodes. And like, uh, I, I don't get hurt feelings over some of this stuff. And then, um, you no, know, I totally do. Just- <laughs> I, I will cry in my pillow if I get terrible feedback. No, like, um, and then as far as next episode, um, what we're going to look at. So we're going to recap a couple of the hunts. Cause I know I'm going on, I'm going on one this, uh, in a new state tomorrow and the next day. And then another thing you guys could do to help us out is go on the Facebook group. And if there is a particular app you use, and I don't, it doesn't have to be hunting specific, uh, specific. Um, but if there's an app that you use and just kind of find yourself depending on or checking, um, you know, post up what it is because we're going to do an episode on apps and the ones that we use and the favorite apps that we have. And so share it with us and we, uh, we may include it and discuss it because I think that there's a lot of good tools out there that will improve the limited time that most of us have to go out and hunt when we're not professionals. So yeah, that's what I got Absolutely. for you. Cool. All right. Well, we will see you guys on Monday. Uh, actually, Alex, I don't think you're joining me on Monday, but, uh, we'll hear from you on Friday uh, again with the uh, next week's scouting report. Yes, sir. All righty. All right. Thank you, everybody. Have a safe and wonderful weekend. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Fowl Front Waterfowl Podcast. Please come join us on our Facebook group, the Fowl Front Waterfowl Podcast group, where you can connect with a good group of hunters because we're all in this together. We need to act like it so that hopefully our great, great grandkids will be hunting ducks over our favorite public lands. Uh, We also ask that you go ahead and give us a written review on iTunes and give us five stars if you think we deserve it. And we really do want to hear back from you uh, so that we can give you the best possible content. And if you get in on that Facebook group, you can get in there and you can ask questions and you can tell us what you want to hear next or you can tell us uh, what you don't like. And we'll be sure to tailor things to our listeners. So 
All right. Stay safe out there, and we will see you next week. Offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at Ooh. that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.